Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Have you ever been to a dinner party where everything's great? The drinks are good, the food's amazing, the conversation's flowing. But there's one person there who is so obnoxious, so unbelievably grating, that you just wish you could make them leave. There's a book I read recently called The Vegan, and it starts out with exactly that premise. This hedge fund manager called Herschel is throwing a dinner party. He's actually trying to impress his rich new neighbours, and to make things smoother, he invites along an old friend but she turns out to be a complete nightmare. Here's how the book's author, Andrew Lipstein, describes what happens. And seeing early on that it's a mistake, Herschel, um, well, it's, it's not much of a spoiler, but he he basically spikes her drink with uh, Zequil, which is the sleep aid. And that works in getting her out of their way and they have a great night. And then soon after he realizes that um, this may have had a terrible effect on her and she is... Uh, in the hospital with a traumatic brain injury. Herschel spends the rest of the book finding ways to make up for what he's done. And the big one is, he becomes vegan. I think we've all been there, right? Like, we wake up one morning and we realize the night before we said something, like, insensitive or we, we, we weren't the person we wanted to be. And we have this lingering sense of guilt that there's literally nothing we can do with. And we might end up finding just another way to make up for that. It has nothing to do with the original action. I love The Vegan because it's funny and smart and it grapples with ethical questions in a really sensitive way. On the one hand, Herschel's newfound obsession with animal rights seems performative. It's like he just wants to appear to be a good person. But he's also genuinely affected by having caused someone harm. Going into the book, I wanted to slowly pass from me to the reader this question of is Herschel good or not? Uh, in a way that it's not really ever even noticed. And by the end of the book, I want the reader to feel like it is only up to them and it is their responsibility to do so. Today on the show, I'm talking to Andrew about his novel, about morality, and about the stories we tell ourselves to justify how we behave. This is FT Weekend. I'm Lulu Smith, in for Lila Raptopoulos. Andrew Lipstein, welcome to FT Weekend. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So we're here to talk about your latest novel, The Vegan, which came out this summer. And I feel like it's a book that so many people are talking about. It's one of my favourite books. I keep trying to recommend it to people. So yeah, I'd love to kind of get into the themes of the book. But first, could we just start with um, Herschel, like the main character? Mm -hmm. What's he like? How would you kind of describe him? Herschel is somebody who I think on a superficial level, we all know, at least from uh, media, TV shows and books and movies, which is the finance guy, um, yeah. almost like the capital F, capital G finance guy. Um, he's somebody who is extremely ambitious. He's somebody who wants to do that dreaded word, disrupt a market. 
Um, <laughs> and he is sort of like a, a blend of, a, he, he has a startup. It's almost like a startup hedge fund. So he's sort of the blend of the two worst contemporary tropes we have, at least for rich men. But he also, of course, with any character that we get to know, is not someone who is free from morality. And that was, that was for, for me as a writer, the starting point for the novel. If, if I'm going to write a book about, about the nature of goodness, and how somebody fights to reclaim their own goodness and define it. How can I choose sort of like the least likely character for this journey I'm about to go on? And, you know, I, I, I really enjoy financial media. I, I consume a lot of it. And when I just thought of inventing this character, I thought maybe I can interview a few people like him. And as soon as I had that thought, I just said, yes, I, I like I, I need I, this is going to be the character just so I can have these conversations. And I basically interviewed a handful of quant hedge fund CEOs and analysts um, to sort of figure out who this person is. That makes sense because it feels, I mean, reading it, he's also, I should say, an avid FT reader. Uh, so we, yeah, we might right. tap into a bit of that. But um, there are sort of assumptions that people make about hedge fund managers, especially when they appear in, in fiction. There's like Gordon Gecko and uh, Patrick Bateman from American Psycho, um, Money by Martin Amos. It's like, it really is that sort of textbook caricature villain but he feels very it feels very authentic and very sort of human so I guess what led you to make him a hedge fund manager specifically yeah I think I think any character that as a culture or as a media consuming body we think we know but mm. has never really been given depth it is a very attractive was a very attractive proposition to me and, you know, you, you talk about uh, greed and uh, its attending flaws like selfishness and uh, individuality in the worst way. And you sort of sense that that precludes all other aspects of a dynamic person, um, but they don't. And I think that mm. is the beauty of fiction is that you, if it works and if it succeeds, you never get the stereotype or the caricature and it is always subverting your assumptions. So the poisoning incident kicks off the book, and from there, Herschel's basically trying to figure out how to atone for what he's done. But he doesn't want to confess to what's happened or to confront it directly. Instead, it's almost like he's trying to amass good person points by becoming a vegan. So after this incident at the party, Herschel becomes repulsed by the idea of eating meat. Why was it meat-eating that he's turned off? Like, what was it about that issue yeah, it's funny. That I, th I think that's a great question. And it's actually one that I haven't really been asked before. It sort of seems obvious. It's kind of, um, and not to uh, be provocative or ruffling feathers, <laughs> fully transparent. I'm a vegetarian, not a vegan. Um, right. But I think the way that people arrive at certain life choices sometimes can come equally from a need to pay off their moral debts as a need to achieve moral surplus or uh, goodness, or they find something that they think is, um, you know, righteous or good. Um, mm -hmm. But but for him, I mean, in the book, one of the neighbors they're trying to impress, uh, Philip, is a vegetarian. And it's never directly stated, but I think things like that tend to germinate in our heads. And um, on Herschel's quest, you know, the thinness of his need to be good is is revealed over time. And um, 
I think there's something really interesting about goodness as a relative currency. I think there's there's so many ways that, especially in writing this book and doing interviews, I realized how much morality and money are like each other. And I think mm. one of maybe three or four ways is that there's a certain relativism to each of those. I don't think morality has to be relative. I think, you know, originally probably it was used to build trust in a community. It doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. But I think that if we want to call ourselves a good person, that question often implicitly comes with the question of how am I compared to other people? How am I compared to those who are immediately around me and, so to speak, my neighbor? If at this point you're thinking that this all sounds pretty heavy, I can assure you that the vegan is not heavy at all. It's poignant, but it's also really funny and lightly written. There are these really absurd moments which almost make you want to laugh out loud, but it's also not really clear whether you should be laughing. There's also an incredible scene about halfway through uh, where Herschel breaks into Prospect Park Zoo at night and has a face-off with a panda. Mm. Um, and I don't want to spoil it for listeners, but I I wondered what you were sort of trying to say, like how it reflects Herschel's character and what he's going through. That scene and a few other moments in the book bring up this word, satire, which some people have called the book and either mm -hmm. take it for granted or ask me if I consider it a satire. And there are these certain moments of the book that if you just describe them, seem absurd. And in the scene you're referring to, he basically breaks into the zoo, finds a red panda and becomes naked in front of it, basically to create a relationship to the panda of that of animals. And there are certain scenes like this where if you just describe them, they seem laughable or absurd. But I think when you actually believe in something and people who are enlightened in any way often cross this threshold where there's no coming back from, where your actions do seem absurd only to the uninitiated. And there's nothing absurd or satirical or funny about these ideas or events to Herschel or to anyone in sort of enlightenment. Um, mm. But from the outside, our laughter is almost like a defense mechanism. But scenes like that um, are in the book basically to prod the reader, to make them think, yeah, this is funny, but can you also find it not funny? Can you see things from Herschel's point of view? And in that way, sort of indoctrinate them or indoctrinate part of them into the journey he's going through. You know, so much of this book is about kind of questioning our notions of virtue and the, and the stories that people tell themselves in order to justify how they behave. And I'm interested in what you think about how Herschel's sort of way of engaging with his own guilt and motivations might reflect something about how people think about morality right now. I mean, not sort of trying to generalise it too much, but was there something that you noticed in the way that people assess themselves that, that sort of led to you wanting to address some, some of these questions? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm going to say the word capitalism, not to become <laughs> another one of, you know, these novelists who <laughs> takes every interview to prove their liberal bona fides. But I think that there is something very interesting about how an idea of a free market has impacted the idea of morality, mm. how those two ideas have collided. <clears throat> and it has nothing to do with actual capitalism, of course. But um, I think more and more we're, we're thinking of morality as something with a single figure attached to it, like, like the value of our bank account. 
um, and, that, and that a debt in one part of your life can be repaid by a surplus in another. I also think that we're starting to think of morality as extremely relative to other people. And I think the easiest way that this is done, especially in America where and, and Britain, actually, where we have such a two-sided uh, political s- system, is that each side of the spectrum has sort of given the other a moral underclass relative mm. to their own point of view. And so we've all become ostensibly richer by thinking of the people on the other side of the aisle. But that actually means from their point of view, we're poorer. Yeah, I've noticed that you've said a couple of times now how money and morality are similar, which I feel is quite counterintuitive. Um, Can you explain sort of what you mean by that? Yeah, I I fundamentally feel that if you you look at uh, morality and virtue and how it's treated in society and culture, um, just being as brutally honest about the effects of it I, I'm not someone who thinks that I'm not someone who's allergic to the w- word virtue, and I and I hate the term virtue signaling, and I think all those debates are incredibly reductive. I just think we should be as wary of the morally rich as the rich rich. I think if somebody has a surplus of morality in a public way, we should just acknowledge what they get in return. One thing to know about Andrew is that alongside being a novelist, he actually works in finance. And that's not just to pay the rent. It's a career. He's currently at the investing app Robin Hood. So he's got a front row view of this world that he's written about. But I also wondered how he makes it all work with novel writing. So I'm I'm interested in, um, in how those two things kind of interact. Is being a novelist and working in finance satisfying to different sides to your personality or does your career kind of feed into your writing like do you need to sort of have that as a stimulus just to help you write the rest of the yeah. time you know how do you yeah, kind of balance those things I'm, I'm a firm believer in well first of all like the elasticity of how many hours you have in the day um, <laughs> but also giving yourself the most life experience you can outside of your writing I don't think reading is life. I don't think uh, reading essays is life. I don't think listening to podcasts about books and literature and studying is life. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's part of life. It's it's a great thing to do, um, especially uh, buying the products of your sponsors as well. But um, no, I uh, and I think the workplace, it's like basically a pressure cooker for social interaction. I, I don't think there's more interesting dynamics in life than in a workplace and and not in the way of like uh, interactions and relationships that are specific to the workplace, but just how, how people have to deal with each other and deal with status and deal with trade-offs and compromise and personalities mm-hmm. and hide themselves and show themselves. But I, I mean, I also, I also love my job. I, lo- I love my career. It's, it's, it's not a detractor from my writing. It's an, it's an add to it. Yeah. Andrew, as my last question, I wonder if you have a defense for Herschel. Like, why would people want to be around him for an entire book? Yeah, I think um, Herschel has flaws that make him a recognizable character and and almost a type. But I think he also has flaws that can't possibly be of a type because they're flaws that we all share and we're all real people. You know, he on the surface is ambitious, but he's also somebody who really not only wants to be good, but figure out what that means to him. Mm. Um, I think that's a journey that 
not one person who's worth knowing is not on and they're always going to be on. I think if any character, especially in first person, is to succeed, the closer you get to them, the less you feel that they are predictable or a type or somebody that you could easily describe to another person. Mm. And I hope that a reader comes away from the book both feeling that they know him and not wanting to describe him to somebody else because they feel like they won't be describing uh, the real person that he is. Andrew, thanks so much for coming on the show. This was so fun. Thank you so much for having me, Lou. The Vegan by Andrew Lipstein is available now. He's also already got plans for his next novel, which will be called Something Rotten and come out in early 2025. That's the show this week. Thank you for listening to the FT Weekend podcast from the Financial Times. Next week, I'm talking to the indie rock harpist Mary Lattimore, whose music I love, and who's doing something really different with the harp. I'm Lulu Smith, and here's my brilliant team. Katia Kumkova is our senior producer. Molly Nugent is our contributing producer. Our sound engineers are Breen Turner and Sam Giovinco, with original music by Metaphor Music. Topher Forhez is our executive producer, Monique Malima is our intern, and our global head of audio is Cheryl Bromley. Special thanks this week to Misha Frankel-Duval. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll find each other again next week. <laughs>